Justice for All, Part 2. I first wanted to start out by shouting out my business page, which is Bold and the Beautiful X, my podcast page, which is blackgirlspeaks.podcast, and my personal page, which is Mani underscore Monet, all on Instagram. And I also wanted to let all of you know that the release of my business is coming very soon. Within the next couple weeks, I'll announce the final release date. I'm very excited. I've been working on a lot for it. I'm very stressed, but excited. You know, when you're a young boss in the making, it takes a lot out of you. And I'm a very private person, so a lot of people don't know the behind the scenes and what it takes for me to be able to put myself out there, especially since I'm such a private person. But I'm very excited for all of you to be able to enjoy what I've been working so hard on. I also wanted to take the time to explain why I took such a big gap period in between episodes. Um, I know I started the last episode a couple weeks ago and I said that I was going to give a part two and then I took like two weeks. Um, I wanted to give people the chance to catch up on all the episodes. I have a lot of people that have come up to me and say that they heard some but they didn't finish or things of that nature. And so I wanted to give everyone the opportunity to just get to the point that we are at today. And also, like I said, I've been working on my business. Um, I know I've mentioned previously in other episodes, it's hard balancing my life, work, school, podcast, business, personal life. Um, It's a lot for me to juggle, but I am, you know, trying to figure it all out. But in the process, I kind of had to put this podcast a little bit on the back burner, not fully, but a little bit, just enough for me to catch up on the business things that I was missing due to me being so focused on this podcast. But I am back, everyone. I know you all missed my voice. So um, next time I have, I have any breaks planned, I'll definitely let you all know. It won't be spontaneous like it was before. And I apologize for that. It literally was spontaneous. I just decided due to everyone once again not being fully caught up and then life was hectic. I thought, why not take a break? But next time, it'll definitely be more thought out and planned out, and I'll be able to announce it to all of you before I decide to just do it. So, November 27th, I'm going to be entering this podcast into a Spotify contest that sponsors Young Voices. What I gathered from what I read up on it is that they want young college students that have started podcasts that are trying to put their voices out into the world to be sponsored on Spotify and they want to I guess help you get your voice out there because as we all know Spotify has a major following so I think it'll be great if this podcast is chosen for something like that it'll be an amazing opportunity for me to get myself out there and another way I'm also um deciding I'm still deciding on it but another way that I'm thinking about getting myself out there is by making a YouTube channel and as you know I have a business coming out And then I have this podcast, so I think it would be very important if I kind of just had a YouTube channel that discusses the business and maybe the way I do things, the way that I 
create things, the way that, where I get things, things of that nature, just the way that I'm starting my business, I guess. And then I also really wanted it, though, for this podcast specifically, because I wanted to do live episodes where I bring in guests. I know it's COVID, but, you know, in-house guests, I should say, and we talk about things. And you guys can see our interactions, see our faces, see our expressions, so that, I don't know, it'll be, I guess, a better way of communicating with all of you. You can leave comments. We can interact better. I'm not going to give any um, specific date as to when that'll happen because I am moving in a couple weeks, so it might be a little bit difficult to pinpoint exactly when I'll start that, but definitely be expecting it within the next maybe couple weeks, maybe within the new year, most likely within the new year, expect some major changes for this podcast. I want to take this to the next level. I know I say that all the time, but I'm serious. So I'm constantly, even when I'm not recording, constantly thinking of ways to take this podcast from point A to point B. And I'm thinking this YouTube thing might be the next level to elevate this podcast. So, um, I know that I was making two episodes, I know, I I mean, I'm sorry, I know I was saying I was making two episodes on my social media, but, um, I decided that I'm just going to make this episode as long as it has to be, and, um, I know that it's been so long, and so many events have happened in the world, and I have so many things to catch up on with all of you, but I will do it in this episode, because I don't want to make two, and then you guys are stuck listening to one, and then listening to other, and then I just want to make one big old episode that you can all listen to and enjoy. As well as, sorry, I had to add this, as well as I wanted to finish our last conversation. So this episode will be a continuance on the last episode. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, please go listen to it, because you're going to be confused as I continue on with this one. So personal updates. First, I just wanted to say, when I was writing down everything I was going to talk about, I completely forgot personal updates. So this is just randomly put together. Just this section was randomly put together because I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something. My personal updates. So um, lately, due to just trying to get everything ready for my business and thinking of ways to elevate this podcast, I've been extremely stressed out. I'm also moving, so that's another stressor. Um, work has been crazy. Another stressor. So it's just been a lot of things going on. And I've been a little stressed, but I'm okay. I'm dealing with it. Um, I'm, like I was saying about my business, I'm actually having a photo shoot for it next week. So I've been preparing for a photo shoot for my business. And I also wanted to turn this podcast and my business into legit professional businesses. So I've been really thinking of ways to do that, to make that a thing, because I think that I owe it to all of you who are constantly listening and sharing and commenting and tuning in to do my best to make this as professional and as much as a legit business as I possibly can. Um, I also wanted to start looking more mature, and that's just me personally, um, because I feel like if I'm going to elevate my business and elevate this podcast, I need to fit that role so I guess when I say more mature I'm about to be 20 years old in a couple days November 25th so I just wanted to kind of fit that the look I don't want to say like that because that kind of sounds bad but just look more mature I'm gonna be 21 next year and I feel like I sometimes feel like a kid people still think I'm like I don't know 16 
So I just want to look more of my age. And I guess more like a boss. So I definitely want to just update myself a little bit. Just a tweak for the new year. Just to look like a boss. The boss that I know that I am. As far as my depression, I have had moments. But it's not as severe as it used to be. I'm able to handle it a little bit better. I'm able to um, figure out my triggers a little bit more lately. And because I am able to figure out my triggers, I'm able to just completely take myself out of certain situations. Um, It's still a process, though. I'm not perfect at it. I'm still struggling. I still have moments. I had a moment yesterday. So I still have moments that I try to have to dig myself out of. And I just wanted to add this, and this is not even in my notes, um, because I'm just thinking about it. A lot of times, we rely on people to pick us up when we're in a down situation. And I can, I'm speaking speaking on that from a personal experience, because I feel like a lot of times I am upset with my friends if they're not there for me when I'm going through a downtime, or um, I was upset with my boyfriend because he wasn't there for me when I was going through a downtime. But something that he said, and it's something that I just had to realize for myself, is that a lot of times people are not going to be there for you. Not because they don't want to be, just because, it's just because they have a life too. And they're going through things too. And they have families too. So while I'm going through something, maybe their mother's going through something, or their father, or their sister, or their brother. And unfortunately, something that I have to be able to understand and learn, not that I don't know it, but... I don't know. I can't really explain it. But those people trump me. So just like if it were my mother and my friends going through something, my mother, something's going on with my mother, I'm going to choose my mother over my friend any day, any time, anywhere, any place. And that's just me. And anybody else, I'm assuming, unless you don't have that relationship with your mother, but that's a whole other conversation. So I have to be able to understand that and learn that. Other people are going through things, too, and life does go on, regardless of what I'm going through. So with that being in mind, I have to learn to be able to pick myself up and not rely on the next person to pick me up. And if that person is unable to pick me up at the moment or or assist on picking me up, I don't need to lash out on them because they, unfortunately, were not able to. Because once again, it's not because they don't want to pick me up. It's because they just can't in that moment for me. And so that is something that I'm learning, but that's also something I wanted to put out for all of you, because I know a lot of the time that's the case for younger people, even probably older people go through that, where they feel like their friends have to be there for them all the time, like they're obligated, as if their friends don't have lives too. And if you're a person like me, typically you put, you put people, especially people in your life first. So if my friends are going through something, I would probably drop everything, especially if it's certain friends that I know for a fact are always going to have my back. I would drop the world for them just to make sure they're good. But sometimes I'm going to be in a situation, especially as we get older, especially as we get older, because as a kid, as a teenager, you don't really have any responsibilities. But we're getting older, and now we have responsibilities. We have jobs, we have families, bills, things of that nature. So we just might not be able to get to one another. So I guess my message is, don't rely on other people to pick you up. I know that it's, it'll be hard, but sometimes you have to be your own friend and you have to learn to pick yourself up.
want to say this sound mean, but a lot of times all that you have in this world is yourself. And I'm not just, you know, trying to discredit the people that you do have in your life. Because like I said, I have friends, I have a boyfriend, things of that nature. So I'm not discrediting those people. But what I'm saying is, like I said earlier, those people can't always be there for you. But you'll always be there for you. You are you. You'll always be there for you. So you have to learn sometimes to be the friend for you. To be the boyfriend for you. To be able to pick you up when nobody else is around. It's a hard lesson to learn, but I think I'm going to have to start learning it because we're getting older and nobody can drop their whole life because I'm going through a depressive episode, especially not in that moment. They can't drop it because I said so. So sometimes I have to be able to get me right on my own. I'm sorry. I know that got deep for like a second, um, but to move on to other things. My anxiety, um, it was good. I got medication for it. I have a doctor's appointment coming up for it. And then at work, I was put back into the same um, environment that I was asked, I asked to move away from because it was causing my anxiety. I was put back in that environment, and I had an instant anxiety attack that lasted for days. Days, I tell you. My anxiety will last me days. It started Friday when I was put back in that environment, and I was only put back in that environment for maybe an hour, and I was I was having an anxiety attack, but I was dealing with it. I was fine, because mind you, when I first found out I was having an anxiety attack, I dealt with that for a week straight. So it was a couple hours, and I dealt with it. When I got home, I didn't want to take my medication because I don't want to rely on it. So I was trying to, you know, find my own remedy so that it would stop, but it didn't, but I didn't take medication. But then after the next day, and I'm still feeling that way, but mind you, there was a lot going on outside of just work. Because like I said yesterday, I did have a little depressive moment. So there was a lot of other stuff going on too, but my anxiety was through the roof and I had to end up taking my medication because I couldn't deal with it. But I do want to find remedies, natural remedies, to be able to deal with that because I don't want to rely on medication to make me feel better. And I encourage all of you to also find remedies, natural remedies, because I don't want any of you to rely on medication to make you feel better. When there are probably natural ways, meditation, yoga, working out, things of that nature, music that'll make you feel better. So definitely go and try to figure out what that'll be for you. Um now onto my relationships, not my my boyfriend girlfriend relationship, but just relationships in general. Um the relationships are kind of hard because I'm learning that I have a tendency to push people away. And so that's something that I have to work on. Because it's like I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. So basically, when people get too close to me, they get too close to my heart, and I start feeling these strong feelings for them, and they're just getting too close to my heart. I put up a barrier. Boyfriend relationship, friendships, whatever the case is, relationships in general, I put up a barrier. And when I put up that barrier, I feel like I get a little cold. So then I start 
saying mean things, doing mean things. Because, and not even intentionally. All because I don't want you to get too close because I'm afraid. And I'm afraid for you to get too close because a lot of times, once people get too close and I get vulnerable, they either mistreat me, they misuse me. Oh, well, not misuse me, but use me. And they take it all my kindness for weakness or they just leave and that's what I've dealt with, dealt with my whole life not with everybody but with a lot of people or I'll tell them something a secret something deep that I don't share with a lot of people and they'll take that and they'll run with it and they'll use it against me or they'll judge me so I just put up a barrier, and I'm realizing that with the with the relationships that I have today, that that's what I'm doing, and it's a very bad thing. It's a problem. It's a very big problem. But also, what I realized is when you love someone, even despite the fact that you know that they do things like that, when you love someone, you're supposed to want to work on their flaws with them. And me personally, I don't want someone that feels like they have to fix me. I want someone that can assist me and encourage me while I'm trying to fix myself. And I think that's deep. And I remember in uh, Queen and Slim, she said something to that effect. And I can't speak for all people, but me personally, I want to be able to fix myself, but I just want you to encourage me to fix myself. I don't want you to feel like you have to be my fixer, because I don't want that. I don't want to rely on a man to fix me. I want to rely on myself to fix me. So I know that I have that struggle, and now I want to work on it for me. For, of course, all of my relationships, but also for me. And I would appreciate if people that I'm in relationships with would assist me and encourage me to fix that about myself. And not tear me down or things of that nature. Not saying that anyone is doing that. I'm just saying encouragement in a time like that. And I also just wanted to say that my boyfriend is the person I want to share my happiness with as long as God allows. So I think that because I feel like that, I really want to work on it. So I don't know if any of you are in relationships, but if you can identify your flaws, things that you need to work on that will affect your partner, whether it's a relationship or friendship, actually, whether it's, you know, Anything you feel like you need to work on that you have flaws on that you know negatively affect negatively affect the people that are around you, make sure that you identify that and then you change it for you, for them, for everyone, for the benefit of your relationships. Because if you truly care about people and they're telling you that something that you're doing is negatively affecting them, then you would want to change it. You should want to change it unless you don't care about them the way you say you do. I also wanted to take the time to talk about the importance of having a great relationship with your parents, specifically if you're a woman, your mother. Um, me and my mom had a great conversation. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but for the past couple of weeks, we've been having great conversations with each other, full honesty, um, full understanding, no arguing, no judgment, just complete honesty and just fully open to each other, open communication. And... When you're a kid, I feel like you see your parents as superheroes. I mean, I still see my mom as a superhero now, 
But for the first time in my life, I see her as a human. She's a human being just like me. And I think now that I'm able to see that, I'm able to identify with her even more. It's so weird. I can't really explain it. But we're definitely able to be connected more because I finally see her for who she is. Not saying that she's not a superhero again because my mom, I think my mom could do all things. So challenge that because I think she could do anything she wants to do. All things. But I finally realized my mom is human just like me. So she's going to make mistakes. And things are going to happen that are out of her control. But she's human and hopefully she'll learn from them. And I can't be upset with her because she sometimes can't be the superhero that I that I paint her as. But she's still great. Superhero or human, she's still great. So definitely, if you have the opportunity, talk to your parents. You'll learn a lot more about them than what you think you know. Because they have stories and they can educate you and they can assist you on something that you're having a problem with. So definitely talk with your parents. Um, get advice from them. Just have a honest and open conversation with your parents. And if you don't have parents, unfortunately, any guardian that you have, any person that you look up to, have those conversations. Um, I know that I mentioned earlier, I'm moving in a couple of weeks back to New Jersey, and my birthday's coming up on Wednesday, November 25th, so if you're listening to this, you know that my birthday's in a couple of days, so make sure you send the happy birthday text or DM to my podcast Instagram, or however you feel the need to reach me, I put my personal out there too, so definitely reach me and say happy birthday. Now, on to some special people that I wanted to talk about. The first person I wanted to discuss is Stacey Adams. I'm sorry, Stacey Abrams. She is a major part of how and why Georgia became a blue state. I'm just going to read a brief thing about her um, because I feel like she's an important person for us to know about, especially the African-American community. We should know about her. So, Stacey Abrams. She was born December 19, 1773. I said 1773. I don't know what's happening right now. Give me a second. I'll get myself together. 1973. She's an American politician, lawyer, voting rights activist, and author who served in the Georgia House of Representatives from 2007 to 2017, serving as a minority leader from 2011 to 2017. And she's a member of the Democratic Party. She also founded Fair Fight Action, an organization to address voter suppression in 2018. She was a Democratic Party nominee in the 2018 Georgia Gubernatorial. Yeah, so I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, actually. The crazy part is I was going to ask my mom how to pronounce that, but she's sleeping, and I'm recording right now. So, um... So, yeah, whatever. She was a Georgia nominee. Um, She was the first African-American female uh, party nominee within that 
category that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> she lost to Brian Kemp in the election, but there was accusations that Kemp engaged in voter suppression. Um, February 2019, Avis became the first African-American woman to deliver a response to the State of the Union address. And like I said earlier, she played a major role in how Georgia became a blue state during this 2020 election. She went out and spoke to people on election day, and she really pushed the community and taught them the importance of voting, which paid off during the election. The next important person that I want to discuss, even though I know I discussed them already, but I need to go back. Beyonce. I know I talked about Black is King, and I feel like I was brief. And if I can be honest with you, I don't like watching things or listening to things when everyone's so hyped about them or everyone's listening to them. And around the time that it came out, my mom was obsessed. She still is, but she was obsessed with Black is King. So I didn't listen to it fully. And I didn't finish watching it when I gave my review on it. And I, I, I admitted that. I have fully watched it, and I fully listened to the album. And I'm obsessed with it, just like my mother, and I'm in love with it. So I know that I chatted about Beyonce before, but I think I need to do it again. Because last time I underestimated how great it was. And if you are an African-American person listening to this right now, and you have not watched that or listened to it, you should be ashamed. And you should go take your behind to Disney Plus or to Apple Music right now and go listen and go watch. Because it's incredible. It is incredible. And it would truly influence the youth and encourage them to want to figure out their roots, where they came from, how they got here. Not just slavery, no slavery, but she talks about Africa. She's in Africa talking about Africa with Africans who know because they're in Africa. It's very deep. It's the most informative and inspirational documentary for African-Americans. It has opened my eyes drastically, by the way, and actually made me want to find out more about my ancestry and why, and the way that I was supposed to be brought up. If I was in Africa, I want to learn about what I'm supposed to be doing right now, how I'm supposed to be brought up, what I'm supposed to learn. I'm not going... I don't want to offend any of the Christians on here, but in Africa, Christianity wasn't a thing. When we, before all this slave stuff, it wasn't a thing. We were learning about our, we were doing, we were more about the spirits. We did have a God. Don't get me wrong. That never changed. But we have multiple gods. There was one head God, but then underneath that God was multiple gods that we had. We were very spiritual, with not a mean bone in our body. And so I just really wish you would all take the time to go back and learn about who you are. Because the person, the people that we are today was written for us. They changed who we were supposed to be. The it's so deep and I can't really explain the way I want to. Who we are today is based off of who they said they wanted us to be. Why do you think we have 
drug dealers and crack in our community, drugs in our communities, like who we are today, not fully, but the negative aspects of us is because of them. It's because they implemented that into our brains time and time again. And then when we tried to step away from it, they then forced it onto us by putting drugs in our communities, knowing we'll be addicted to it. And then we started acting out, we were thugs. But when you listen to Beyonce's album and her documentary, all she's doing is telling us to rewrite our story. This is the story they wrote for us. You can rewrite your own story. All you gotta do is pick up a pen. It's, oh my gosh. Y'all don't understand how deep this is. I wanna go to Africa. That's how deep it is. I need to know. I wanna be there. I want to feel the change. I feel like I'm gonna feel differently. So I wanna feel that change. It's just... And the crazy thing is, another thing that she said, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but they don't know who we are. They just picked us up and brought us here. They don't know anything about our history. They don't know our native tongue. They don't know anything. So how can they tell us who we are when they don't know who we are and we don't even know who we are? We don't even know where we came from, really. So don't let these people out here try to tell you what it, what it is to be an African-American person in this community when they don't even know themselves. We don't even know fully because we don't even know who we are. We need to find our true selves and learn our true story. It's deeper than they want us to know. So deep. And I have so much that I want to say about it, but I don't want to talk y'all ears off. But I just have so much I want to say. But it's so deep, guys. It's deep. And I really wish you would all take the time to go listen. And really listen to the words. Not just listen to the beat. Yes, it's lit. But no, listen to the words because it hits home and it's meaningful. <sighs> all right, I'm sorry. I, I have to move on, but... Oof, y'all just don't know, so y'all listen. Now, we have a lot of current events that we have to get to. I try to be quick, as quick as I can with this. I try not to put too much on here so I can get to the topic at hand, but I did have to address, of course, the most obvious thing. Congratulations to President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. They have won the 2020 election despite... What Donald Trump is saying, they have won. This is the first time ever in American history that a woman of color has ever had a voice in the White House. And although America has a very long way to go when it comes to equality, in my opinion, I think that this proves that there is and there can be change. They done voted a woman of color into the White House. Who would have thought that would ever happen? Remember when Obama was president, we didn't think that was going to happen. But now it's a woman. Who thought that would ever happen? And don't you think for two seconds that she's not going to run for president and that she's not going to win. 
it's only up from here. So I know change is still so far away. It's still so far for us to reach. Uh, people are still being killed for nothing in these streets and not getting justice. But there still is change happening slowly. And we might not all be here to see the change fully happen. But your children, your children's children, your children's children, 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 whomever, your legacy will be here to see that change. So with that being kept in mind, make sure that you are doing something to help provide that change to happen for your children and their children and their children and their children, 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 children. Don't just be sitting here like, yeah, power to the people, black lives matter, da 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 Or complaining about what's, what's going on in the world. But you ain't doing nothing. You ain't donating to nothing. You ain't speaking out properly. You faking the funk. Or you only speak out sometimes. You only here for the turn up, but never for the downfall. You here for Juneteenth to party and get cute. When an African-American man or female gets shot, you ain't protesting. You ain't speaking out. You ain't posting nothing. You ain't donating. That's a problem for me. Because not to toot my own horn, I'm sure someone's been here before. I was already, and this kind of started this podcast, how it even occurred. I was arguing with people. People that honestly was old and stuck in their ways. I don't know why I was arguing, but I was arguing and I was saying some factual stuff to the point where people are reposting what I'm saying. Literally reposting what I'm saying over all over social media. Countless people, by the way. And that made me be like, you know what? I need to start a podcast. Because if these people want to listen to me, somebody else might just want to hear me. Not to mention I went to a protest and I fainted, but that's another thing. <laughs> and I knew that protesting was just not for me. So I stepped in to do podcasting because that's for me. Protesting might be for somebody else that won't be out here fainting, honey, but not for me. And that's fine. But I'm doing something else. I didn't just give up like, oh, I can't protest, I fainted, all right, it's not for me. I'm done. Now I just complain. No. I got up and I did something about it. And I started this podcast, which is going far, by the way. It's doing amazing. And I donated to Trayvon Martin's fund, to his foundation. And I'm about to start donating to Tamir Rice's foundation. And if, I don't know, I haven't researched yet, but if Sean Bell has a foundation, I'll be donating to his. And if Sandra Bland has one, to hers. And if Ayanna Jones has one, to hers. And if a Tatiana Jefferson has one, then to hers. Mike Brown, then to his. I will donate until I can't donate no more because I'll probably be broke. <laughs> but I'll donate if it means that it's doing something for my people. I don't even remember what the beginning of this conversation was because I just got so deep. But yes, all I'm saying is make sure that you're doing something for the cause so that change can occur. Don't just complain about, oh, I want this to happen, but y'all ain't doing nothing. 
which, as you can see, Kamala Harris is president. So guess what? That means y'all went out there and y'all voted. Great. It starts with that. Now keep going. Don't stop there. I wanted to briefly talk about Donald Trump because I really don't want to give him that much time in my day. But I just want to talk about the fact that he's delaying the transition and blaming it on fraudulent votes. And due to that, I just saw that Biden said that he wanted, he needs to fund it himself. So, here I go again. If you ain't never do nothing for the black community yet, sorry, African American community yet. If you just complaining about how you want change, but you ain't doing it. If you just here for the turn up, but not for the downfall. And you want to prove to yourself, don't prove it to me, because I, prove it to yourself that you really about the people. Let me stop saying that. If you're really about the people, <laughs> do me a favor and go donate to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Go do it. The post is on the shade room. I'm sure you can research it and look it up if you care enough. Go donate to their cause. How about that? A quick conversation about COVID. Uh, it's getting bad. Um, it's spreading very quickly. We have worse. It's worse this time around, actually, which they knew it was going to be. But it's crazy how much worse it is. So please be safe, everyone. Um, stay safe for Thanksgiving. I know a lot of y'all want to be around y'all families. I understand, kind of. So, um, just keep in mind, though, that if you really care about your family, you won't want to expose them to anything. So it's just best to stay away. Simple as that. So, um, but my main message is just stay safe. It's getting crazy out here. And, um, wear your mask, wash your hands, hand sanitizer, all that stuff. Also, um, just wanted to first give my condolences to all of the African American rappers that have been shot lately and unfortunately killed. Um, it's been crazy out here, and I don't even know them. I don't listen to um, rap music like that. But what I did want to say is that we need to unite and not tear each other down. For whatever the reason is, some beef, fame, whatever it is, it's not more important than life. To where you taking somebody's life over nothing, over some beef that ain't that serious. More important things to life than y'all beefing. So I just really wanted to talk to y'all about that. It, when we kill each other, even though black-on-black crime, first of all, is not a thing. When we kill each other, it it gives them the ammo that they need. Because all they do is talk about black-on-black crime. So when we kill each other, we're showing them or proving that black-on-black well, crime might be a thing. Even though it's not. You're still giving them something when we're out here killing one another. So evidence, you're giving them proof that maybe that might that could be a thing. You're giving them ammo to be able to say that it's a thing. 
it's never worth another person's life, no matter the situation. So I just want to let all of y'all know to just be safe and really don't be out here harming your brother or your sister because regardless, it's never that serious. I also want to send out prayers to Bobby Brown and his family because he lost another child. This time it was his son. Um, I have don't have a full story on that because they're still doing the investigation. But um, just some prayers to all of um, your brothers and sisters because there are people that are really going through difficult and tough times that just need prayers sent their way. I wanted to also talk about Monique and... Um, I saw that she spoke to Tamar Braxton on um, Tamar's new podcast, and I remember hearing from one of her interviews on The Breakfast Club that she was calling her husband on air 24-7, like the whole time she referred to him as daddy, and it was pretty gross to hear. A grown woman calling her husband that in front of the world. Whatever, never mind, I'm not even going to add that. But yeah, in front of the world. She then did an interview with Tamar Braxton and stated that she caused him that because he raised her. Now, I understand if your man helped you in a way. If he helped you grow as a person, if you were one type of person and he helped you grow into a better person, whatever the case is, he helped you evolve. I get that. But to say he raised you and that's why you call him that, period, because you don't call him anything else but that, for me is a problem because you're making it seem like that's okay. And that's not okay. At all. And that's the only reason why I wanted to talk about it. Because I don't want anyone for a a second to think that that is okay. Because when I heard that, I was pretty disgusted. So regardless of her reason behind why she calls him that all the time, it's not okay. It's gross. And I just wanted to let all my young followers know that. Because I feel like typically when you're when you're young and you get with someone who then changes you into a better person, you feel like you owe it something to them. Like they have all this power over you. Because they help change you. You can appreciate them. But to go to the extent to say that they raised you like a father would, and you see them as a father figure because you didn't have one, yeah, that's when you lost me. So I just wanted to let everyone know that that's not an okay mindset, and that um, I pray for her because that's not okay. Um, I wanted to give warning about Karens. Um, they're very much real, and they're out there. And I want all of my people to stay safe because it's real. They will accuse you. 
They will show up at your front lawn, on your front lawn. They will follow you. They'll walk up to you in the park, but then blame you. Like, just be careful with what is going on in this world. Be very cautious of everything that you do. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is the family of Tatiana Jefferson filed a lawsuit against the officer responsible for her death. And really quickly, I just wanted to give y'all a brief rundown of what happened. So Tatiana Jefferson was 28 years old um, when she was fatally shot at her home by a police officer in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, And that happened October 12, 2019. Police officers arrived at her home after a neighbor called a non-emergency number, stating that Jefferson's front door was open. Um, A police body camera footage showed that when she came to her window to observe police outside her home, Officer Aaron Dean shot through it and killed her. Police stated that they found a handgun near her body, which, according to her 8-year-old nephew, she was pointing toward the window before being shot. On October 14, 2019, Dean resigned from the Fort Worth Police Department and was arrested on murder charges. On December 20, 2019, Dean was indicted for murder. Jefferson was black, African-American, and the officer who shot her was white, Caucasian, prompting news outlets to compare Jefferson's shooting to the September 2018 murder murder of Botham Jean. And I hope that I said her name right. I'm sorry if I say any names wrong on this podcast. I'm, I don't really know how to say them, especially if it's someone's name. Everyone can pronounce their names different. But, you know, I'll do my best. But that is the story of a Tatiana Jefferson. Um, I don't know if I've heard her story before. I've heard, seen her name and her face. But I don't think I knew her story. And there was a time where I was trying to go down the list to learn all of their stories. But it's too many of them, and it's too sad, and I couldn't do it all. That's how I learned Sean Bell, because I was in the middle of going down the list of everyone's name, and I came across him, and I ended up watching something on YouTube about him. And, um, yeah, it's a lot, especially for me, especially for any African-American person to see someone that's just like them be um, heinously killed. So... It was a lot, so I'm not sure if I got to her name, but what I do want to say is, first of all, the neighbors caught a non-emergency number, so that neighbor didn't think it was anything that was out of the, like, she didn't think it was anything that was worth police officers coming, she obviously just thought, you know, maybe just a wellness check to make sure she was okay. I'm not sure what was the case in this situation I know I just read to you what happened but I'm not sure if she was maybe having a a moment I'm not sure why she had a gun pointed out the window is basically what I'm saying but I don't know this one's a tough one because if she did have a gun and she was pointing it at the police officer I could see how he would feel threatened Um, I can see how he would think to shoot her, I guess. I don't think that 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 should be the first option. I think that maybe he should have tried to go to her door anyway. 
because we are unsure as to why her door was open, why she was scared enough to have the handgun in the first place to put it out the window. So, I just think I would have needed more information, and I wish that he would have did it, went about it a little bit differently, that we could have understood and we could have known, and then that way the situation could have been clear as far as who was in the wrong. Um, another story that I wanted to talk about is Quan Bobby Charles. Um, I had seen his name on Instagram, and I kind of just kept scrolling because I'm just like, you know, another story. And I can't hear about all of them. It becomes too overwhelming for me. But, um, I'm just going to call him Bobby because that's what they call him. That's his, like, nickname. He was a 15-year-old boy. And he went missing in Louisiana on October 30th. His body was discovered days later in a sugarcane field 20 miles from his home. The sheriff's department told his family that the boy had drowned. His family claims that that's bogus and says that the photo shown of his face was horribly disfigured when he was found. They believe his death could have been racially motivated and that and that law enforcement failed to act in the hours after they reported their son missing. Two weeks after he went missing, another sheriff's office released a statement saying that they are investigating suspicious circumstances and um, his parents are still looking for answers. So, yeah. They think that if he was Caucasian, Maybe the police would have took it serious enough to actually go searching for him and that maybe that that wouldn't have happened. I think that's true. I think that when it is an African-American person, they don't move as quickly. They give more excuses. They don't act as fast. And that's just not police, that's anybody. I just overheard my mom having a conversation about doctors. Doctors don't act as fast if it's an African-American person who's obviously in pain. Hence why we always... We have a higher rate of passing away while in labor because I feel as though they think we're over-exaggerating. Everything we do is an over-exaggeration. I feel like that's exactly what it is. But then when something actually happens to us, it's like, oh, my bad. Or if we're not lashing out the way that they expect us to lash out when we're in pain, it's like, oh, then she's fine. As if we have to act out of character in order for it to be seen as serious. So, um, I hope that they figure out what happened to their son. I will keep you all posted and updated as that story develops. But um, that's not okay. And the fact that he was found in a sugarcane field is questionable. And his face was disfigured, which is ironic considering we're going to be talking about Emmett Till, whose face was also disfigured, who was also found. So, that's interesting. But, yeah, I will keep you all updated as far as that story goes because I want to know more. I Now I want answers because it sounds too fishy to me. He was only 15. Where did he go, you know? Why would he run away? So, yeah, I, I just have questions. So, I'll keep you all updated on that story as um, it develops. Another thing that I want to talk about, I know there's a lot of current events. We have been gone for so long. Um... I think I have maybe three or four more to go, and then I will get to the topic. Um, Florida Governor DeSantis 
drafted a bill that allows citizens to shoot looters and rioters. And I'm just going to, like, read something for you guys because um, I want you to get all the facts. So, he drafted an anti-mob um, legislation that would expand the state's stand-your-ground law, which, ugh, don't get me started because that is related to the Trayvon Martin case. A move that some worry would allow armed citizens to shoot and potentially kill anyone they suspected of looting. And of course, it comes in response after the months of protesting that frequently led to rioting this summer in Florida and across the U.S. following the death of George Floyd. So now, to prevent violence and disorderly assemblies, they're allowing people to shoot anyone that they suspect of looting. Which, in my opinion, only gives people more of the initiative to shoot African-American people. Because they, even if they see their own people doing it, they don't really see it. It's not really happening for them. It's only us. They only see us when it's happening. So chances are, the amount of African-American people that are murdered in that state is going to increase. If something like that is passed. Because it's just another excuse. They always find wiggle room to add excuses in there. So that it's okay to harm us. So that it's okay to put us in prison. So that it's okay to mistreat us and do whatever they want with us. They always find a loophole in the government. But then that's questionable because, questionable because it makes me think about the government. The government shouldn't even have that many loopholes or wiggle room to add laws like that. But as we know, it was all put to fail us. It was all put together to fail us anyway. It was never for us. It was always against us. So I guess I shouldn't be that surprised that something like that would even be allowed in the first place. And if they don't want riots or protests, because they don't seem to know the difference between a riot and a protest, but if they don't want either or, then stop shooting unarmed African-American people and they won't have a problem. Put your police officers on a leash, and then we won't have a problem. How about that? Don't even get me started, because I get angry when I talk about stuff like this. Zero to 100, period. No matter what, where, when, what, no. I get angry. I don't care about the circumstance, the situation, no. I'm serious when it comes to African-American people, like, serious. Loyalty to a fault. Like, I'm loyal to African American people. Unless y'all straight up wrong, and then I'll let you know. But I'm loyal to them. So you don't want to argue with me when it comes, when it pertains to our issues. Because I'll shut you down real quick. Um, a few more um, current events. After the election, Ava Longoria stated that although African-American women showed up in Georgia for the election, Hispanic women really played a major role in Biden's win, causing African-American women to feel that their role was diminished, even though 91% of African-American women voted and only 70% of Latino women voted. 
this goes to my conversation that I had in my one of the other podcasts about how other ethnicities are allowed to disrespect African-American women, especially Latino women. They especially disrespect us and are always in competition with us. Not all of them, but too many of them. And I'm not exactly sure why it's a competition. And although I believe that Ava didn't mean it to be disrespectful, it still affected the African-American women enough to speak out. It still rubbed them the wrong way because it's already a sore topic because it's already something that occurs constantly. The disrespect, the downplaying, as if our role wasn't enough. Even though we know it was about we, I mean, uh, nothing goes right unless we're a part of it. So we knew for a fact that it was us, but it's the fact that a uh, Hispanic woman tried to play us again on national television. And although I, I hope and I pray that she didn't mean to do that, that's what it is, and that's how it always is, though. And that's why people spoke out about it. The officer involved with the Breonna Taylor shooting was sued for sexual assault by a lawyer in 2018. I don't want to really get into the details of his situation because I don't care about him enough. But all I wanted to say regarding that is that God don't like ugly. And when you do something as harmful as what he did to Breonna Taylor, you destroyed her, her family, and her loved ones in this country. And they can get you on that, but you're going to get caught on something. Because you obviously weren't a good person. And now the world is going to find out. So I'll also give you updates as that story develops, because I'm very intrigued to hear what happened, what occurred, and things like that, so that people can finally take at least some form of accountability for their actions. Um, the grand jury announced that no charges will be filed against the officer who fatally shot Sean Reed. Um, that story is pretty simple. Yes, he was running away from cops. There was a high-speed chase on May 6th in, in, in Indianapolis, and he was fatally shot once he was caught by the police because he got out of his car. I, it's, it's on a live Facebook, so I saw it on live. He got out of his car. Um, the cops approached him. They shot him multiple times. And at the end of the video, you can hear the cops say, it's going to be a closed casket, homie. And for me, that should rub me the wrong way. Because he ain't know he was on live when he said that. And it's just constant disrespect like that. That's a problem for me. And I understand he wasn't doing right. I really do. I'm not saying my people are perfect because they're not. So I really do understand that he wasn't doing right. But to kill him because he wasn't doing right? Why? That's all I want to know is why. One last thing I want to talk about before I get to the conversation. Um, I was watching a Law and Order, a Law and Order episode, um, and they kind of tried to relate it to what's going on today with COVID and things like that, but also adding, of course, the Law and Order-isms, which is sexual assault. Um, I wanted to talk about the fact that 
Um, for those of you who don't watch Law & Order, I'm trying to get to the basics. Olivia Benson, the main character, um, was sued, among other people, but was sued for arresting, falsely arresting an African-American man after a Karen accused him of something in the park. And they didn't have to arrest him, but she chose to arrest him anyway because he had a warrant from protesting for Black Lives Matter. And she said to take him in. And never did any research on the Karen who was doing all that hooping and hollering. Well, hooting and hollering, I'm sorry. About nothing. And she's known for making false accusations. But they never did the research to know that about her. They only arrested the African-American man. So he sued them. And so she had to go to IAB. And it was an African-American woman who stopped the camera in the middle of Olivia, basically saying that she's an ally and she supports African-American people. She stopped her. And she stated that due to our history, racism is in all of us. So regardless of if Caucasian people think they're not racist, they still hold certain prejudices and biases towards people of color. As well as African-American people also deal with certain biases. So I thought that was deep because Caucasian people always think that they're not racist, which are not. But you do have biases when it comes to things. And I just want you to take the time to think about that. Do you get scared when you're in a known African-American neighborhood? Like, do you lock your door? Do you even go in that neighborhood? Like Camden, for instance, for New Jersey, or Hartford for Connecticut. Do y'all clutch your purses or do you not even bring your purse? Do you make a conscious effort to lock your door or cross the street when you see an African-American man with tattoos? Like, what... It's something. Y'all do something. Because it's embedded in us. And it's not even our fault. But it is embedded in us. So what I'm saying is, and what the lady said to Olivia is, you have to work on that. You have to be able to be open and honest with yourself because that's the only way change is going to occur is if you open your eyes and you realize, I do have certain biases. And then you act on it. And you make that change. So just keep that in mind the next time you think that you don't have a bias or a prejudice, a prejudice towards a person of color. That's all I'm saying. And I really want y'all to think about that. So to get to the topic, last episode I was discussing Bill Cosby and how he was charged for sexual assault years, years after it apparently occurred. And I compared that to Carolyn Bryant, who falsely accused Emmett Till of howling at her, causing his untimely death. And I'm going to actually give you the rundown of the Emmett Till story, because um, a lot of people don't know it, and I think that it's an important, important part of American history. So. Emmett Till grew up in a working-class neighborhood on the south side of Chicago, And though he had attended a segregated elementary school, he was not prepared for the level of segregation he encountered in Mississippi. His mother warned him to take care because of his race, but Emmett enjoyed pulling pranks. On August 24th, while standing with his cousins and some friends outside of a country store in 
and money. Emmett bragged that his girlfriend back home was white. Emmett's African-American companions disbelieved him and dared Emmett to ask the white woman sitting behind the store counter for a date. He went in, brought some candy, and on the way out was heard saying, bye baby, to the woman. There were no witnesses in the store but Carolyn Bryant, the woman behind the counter, later claimed that he grabbed her, made made advances, and Wolf whistled at her as he sauntered out. Roy Bryant, the proprietor of the store and the woman's husband, returned from a business trip a few days later and heard how Emma had allegedly spoken to his wife. Enraged, she went to the home of Till's great-uncle, uh, Moose Wright, with his half-brother, J.W. Millam, in the early morning hours of August 28th. The pair demanded to see the boy. Despite pleas from Wright, they forced Emmett into their car. After driving around in the night and perhaps beating Till in a tool house behind Memo's residence, they drove him down to the Tallahatchie River. Three days later, his corpse was recovered, but was so disfigured that Moose Wright could only identify it by an initialed ring. Authorities wanted to bury the body quickly, but Till's mother, Mammy Bradley, requested it be sent back to Chicago. After seeing the mutilated remains, she decided to have an open casket funeral so that all the world could see what racist, racist murderers had done to her only son. Jet, an African-American weekly magazine, published a photo of Emmett's corpse, and soon the mainstream media picked up on the story. Less than two weeks after Emmett's body was buried, Millam and Bryant went on trial in a segregated courthouse in Sumner, Mississippi. There were few witnesses besides Meath who positively identified the defendants as Emmett's killer. On September 23rd, the all-white jury deliberated for less than an hour before issuing a verdict of not guilty, explaining that they believed the state had failed to prove the identity of the body. Many people around the country were outraged by the decision, and also by the state's decision not to indict Miller and Bryant on the separate charge of kidnapping. Can I just stop right there for two seconds? I'm sorry, because something made me angry when I read that. Um, his own mother, who knows her son because she pushed him out and raised him, and his uncle, who obviously knows his um, nephew, identified him. So how did the state neglect to be able to identify him? So who, who did they think the body belonged to is my question. Anyway, the Emmett Till murder trial brought to light the the brutally, the brutality, I'm sorry, of Jim Crow segregation in the South and was an early impetus of the civil rights movement. Um, in 2017, Tim Tyson, author of the book The Blood of Emmett Till, revealed that Carolyn Bryant recanted her testimony, admitting that Till had never touched, threatened, or harassed her. Nothing that nothing that boy did could ever justify what happened to him, she said. So she later recanted her story after um, years, because that's 2017, and y'all all heard the date that that happened, which was, uh, give me a second. Um, Did they not give us a date? They did not give us a date. Give me a second. I can look it up for all of you. 1955. So she waited until 2017, all these years later, after they done destroyed that boy's 
more um memorial everything she waited later in life to finally say oh he never did that that was all a lie after everyone's dead basically not basically they're all dead she's dead now i hope that god took one look at them and said ha you ain't coming up here and I know that sounds so mean. I know. Oh, my gosh. Please forgive me. But do you think people like that deserve a second chance? I don't even know. I, thought, I, don't, I don't know. Do they belong? I don't, I don't know. Because they killed an innocent boy. To get the fact that he was African-American, even though that's a major fact. But you killed an innocent person. You brutalized. Like, he was disfigured. You couldn't even recognize him. And he was such a cute little boy. Pretty, the prettiest eyes. All because you thought he wanted your wife? And even if he did, he was a child. And if you were that insecure, you should have took that up with your wife. You went to a child's house and kidnapped him in the middle of the night and beat him to a pulp and left him there in the river. It's sickening the way this country is and that these people were able to just roam free. It's sickening. And it's even more sickening that the criminal justice system, time after time, has failed African-American people. And I want to make it clear, I'm not making excuses when I'm talking about the Bill Cosby thing and I'm talking about Carolyn Bryant, because I believe that he is guilty of something. But my argument is that the criminal justice system is stricter on African-American people than Caucasian people. And that's obvious proof right there. We give people like Carolyn a past, and now she's no longer on this earth to even get what she deserves. But we get people like her a past, and now she's deceased and can't face her crimes. A young African-American boy was taken away from his home and beaten to the point of being unrecognizable. And the animals, they are the thugs. And that's the thing. African-American people Especially before we were taken, we had no animosity, no anger. That's not in us. Violence was not in us. We're at peace. But they inserted the violence into us because that's who they are. They put them in us, they're the animals. And there was, these men were responsible for killing this poor young boy, and they all went free. But yet a frail African, African-American man who was 70-plus years old and at the end of his life and his career gets sentenced to prison time and is excommunicated from his whole community and his peers. 
But y'all couldn't arrest them for kill. Oh, oh, okay. And don't I don't want to hear once a different time because guess what? If this happened again, I promise you, somehow, some way, they would get off again. And it's happening. Our people are being hung from trees. It's a, and it's an accident. That boy was found in a sugarcane field. This figure. And it was an accident. Our people are being killed on the streets, on camera, live, footage. But it was an accident. Or it was their fault. The system is just not properly constructed. Tons of African-American men and women are wrongly convicted every day. Most of our prison systems are made up of our people. It's unfair, and I need for my people to understand the system and stay educated on the way of the world so that they know their rights and do whatever they can do to stay out of the system. We need to be more educated on this stuff. They don't want us to know, but we need to know for our sake, for our children's sake, for their children's sake. Teach your kids their rights early on. If there are any parents listening, please teach your children. They are never too young to know their history. Because as you can see, children as young as six and eight are losing their lives. So save your child's life now while you can by installing their rights in them. By teaching them their history. Not so that they are afraid. Which is that they know right for wrong. And really teach them the roots so that they know that they're actually inferior. These people are afraid of them, and that's why they're belittling them. They have more power than what we give them, what, what we teach them. African American people, we, we are, it's crazy that we're so used to being downplayed that. Even if I sit here and I go on a, uh, a, a, I go crazy on a rant about how amazing we are, half the people that are on here listening probably wouldn't even believe me. We are golden. There would be nothing if it weren't for us. Nothing. This world would be nothing. They would still be in colonies. We made America. We made the 50 states. We made the world. And I really have to pause so that y'all can suck, just suck all that in. We made this world. Without us, this would be nothing. So install that into your kids so that they can know. They can do anything. They can be and do anything. And don't let nobody stop them. Especially not because of the color of their skin. Let them know that now. Please let them know that they're special. Before it's too late. Before they brainwash our children into believing that they're nothing. Don't let them feel like how I felt as a kid. Worthless. And I had to learn after years of feeling like that. 
literally today at almost 20 years old, 20 years old, I'm sorry, had to learn how much power I really have. Teach your kids that now. Please. And just remember, especially with everything going on in the world, to tell your family that you love them. Because in today's world, you never know when it's their last day. And please, listen to Black is King. Watch Black is King with your children. And then give them a history lesson. A well-deserved one. About how amazing they are. And how the color of their skin is magical. And that when they walk in the room, the world stops. Everything stops. Because black is beautiful. Brown is beautiful. We are beautiful. Man and woman are beautiful. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. I promise I'll stay on task and there will be another episode posting. Not next week, because I want y'all to enjoy y'all Thanksgiving, eat for me, but the week after. And I'll let y'all know about my schedule because I move, I believe, that following week or the week after that. So we'll see. I'll look at the calendar and see what happens, but just watch out for that. Um, thank y'all all for tuning in. I love each and every one of you. My name is Armani Ward, and this is Black Girl Speaks, signing off. This is where Black Girls Talk. This is where Black Girls Speak. This is where this is about us to be. Black Girls Speak. This is where black girls speak. This is where this stuff is not a Black girls speak. This is where black girls talk. This is where black girls speak. Speak.